0: I'd like to talk about your transition from being a player to, to being a manager Yeah, into coaching. Uh, you, you captained all the clubs you played for, um, clearly a, a leader in that sense. Was management the, the obvious step? What, what was your mindset like a, at the end of your career in that last season perhaps at, at Middlesbrough?
1: Because of the type of player I was I think there would be an expectation that I probably would go into management and if I'm Absolutely honest, I think that weighed quite heavily, so that was a pressure that weighed quite heavily on me, and I I think if you ask a lot of players whether they're ready to retire, uh, I mean uh, physically I was, uh, because I'd I'd had a number of, I'd had an operation every year on my knee for about six or seven years, so I'd come to a point where physically I think I was ready not I think, I know I was ready to retire. Mentally I hoped I was, but I wasn't and Sheffield Wednesday, I was supposed to be joining um, Ron Atkinson to be his assistant and then Ron got sacked and so I didn't go to Sheffield Wednesday in the end. was actually interviewed for the Sheffield United job. Didn't get that. Steve Bruce took that, um, and yeah, my first job became I, I took around Christmas time, and mm. well, uh, to go to Carlisle. Whether I was ready for management or not is a is a totally different a different question. I'd started to do my coaching badges, so I'd. Uh, Another of my um, um, experiences with Howard Wilkinson, I, I, I was a n- one of a number of people who were fast tracked into into the uh, UEFA B license, which is level three, as it's probably better known. Uh, uh, and so, there are a number of us who were. Uh, fast-tracked onto that it was a you know it was a good experience I was working I did some sort of itinerant work, some part-time work with some of the youth teams as well but I don't think with hindsight looking at the job I took at Carlisle I got enough experience or enough um, technical knowledge in terms of being able to deal with the day-to-day scenarios of managing you know for for want of a but it but what i did have what i took into it with my you know the, my character traits i think um certainly helped me in dealing with the situation and so you know the, the sort of leadership qualities but whether i had the technical um Abilities is in a totally different question. So,
0: was it a bit of a baptism of fire at Carlisle? <laughs> well, a, a, everyone knows what happens yeah. at the end at the end of the season. But but heading into it, I mean, the the owner Michael Knighton was a, an eccentric man. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the whole the whole I believe the whole reason Jimmy Glass had to come to the club was because your goalkeeper got sold uh, in the middle of a relegation yeah. fight. So yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's thrown in at the deep end.
1: Absolutely, and. But I I also know what I am. I know what my learning style is. I'm somebody who Who is learns through doing I'm a I, I am somebody who? Um, uh, can cope with those sorts of experiences even though sometimes it's uh, It can be a bit of a lonely place and a, you can feel a bit isolated, but for sure um you know, I mean, I dealt with it. I, sp- I actually spoke with Michael um, just after Christmas. I think it was. He he, uh, he got in contact with me via email. I rang him up. I thought, you know, so look. I always tell people, um, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a testing experience for me. And yeah, we had we had our differences from time to time. But I've never disliked him as a guy, and it was it, it was he gave me my first opportunity, albeit a, a very difficult one, and i didn't I didn't last after the season. I got sacked straight after the season finished. What was the um,
0: reasoning or circumstances behind that? It's un- unusual after such a miraculous survival to, for the manager to to leave immediately afterwards.
1: Yeah, I didn't really ask to be honest with you. It was it was something it was a board decision that they and you know When people make those sorts of decisions, I, I don't really see a great deal of mileage in trying to uh, Trying to talk any more about it really it it happened um, You know our our form our form had not been great, so y- you can y- you could argue that it's it's understandable in many ways. But look, the the, the whole scenario s- surrounding the Jimmy Glass situation, and you'll probably be aware of the documentary that's been done recently yep. that I that I contributed to, and and it was yeah, it brought it all back to me. It's uh, um, an incredible story uh, in terms of the circumstances surrounding it and you've already, already mentioned the fact that, you know, we 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 were given special dispensation to to get a, a goalkeeper and because we actually didn't have one that was fit. And Jimmy agreed to come along and, you know, going into the final game of the season. We were reliant on results elsewhere, even if we won our own game. So you know, it's not an easy situation for the players to deal with, uh, for sure, and they dealt with it exceptionally well. But, I mean, the outcome, wow. Uh, more or less the last kick of the game for a goalkeeper on loan to score is quite ridiculous, really. But it happened, and, uh, you know, I often reflect on what what the outcome on my career would be had that not have happened mm-hmm. uh, you know I mean I, I, you don't know you don't know uh, but I mean after that after that uh, dip into the waters of management uh, I didn't manage again then until uh, 2008 yeah because you know if you look at my coaching and managerial career uh, which spans now Twenty-one years. Um, I've managed for eleven of those, mm. and been an assistant or a coach, um, in some form for the other. So I, I've got a bit of a different uh, pathway to a lot of people yeah. who just manage, because you know I've I've assisted some you know some very capable managers and have learnt and have needed different skill sets to support those managers and you know I think sometimes you can't choose you can't necessarily, you can choose your pathway but but if you've got a, an open mind and sort of just run with it as well um, as I have done um, with just really going with the flow and seeing, seeing what opportunities come because you can't be too you can be specific if you want and say this is what I want to do but that doesn't happen for everybody. You've, you know, If you want to work and be uh, and experience different things, I think you've got to have a bit of a, uh, an open mind on on where the next opportunity might take you. So, you know, after leaving Carlisle, my next job was working with my one of my old teammates at Stoke. Gary Megson mm-hmm. rang me and asked me if I'd be interested in going in there as his assistant, and I did go in there. And Gary got sacked I mean we, we had some fun to be fair and uh, we. I, I, I like him a lot and he is he, very f- it's a shame he's not working still um, uh, you know it, it, for me he was a uh, he is a good manager but he didn't survive when the there was an Icelandic takeover and Gudjan Thordeson came into um, to Stoke uh, and he actually gave me an awful lot of responsibility i mean to start with i was undecided whether i should stay um but he he gave me a lot of responsibility in terms of exposure to coaching and yeah so I, it it was it was probably a really good experience for me mm-hmm.
0: um and and you're back in uh first team management with southampton uh, in 2008 yeah. j- just for 3 months um, achieving survival on on the final day of the season, just like with, with Carlisle. Yeah. Um, what yeah. was what was that final day of the season like? What was the the context surrounding that? I, I note that Stern John was hero uh, with two um, goals and, and also villain. also and almost villain, villain with yeah. a red card as well.
1: Yeah, and going into that game, of course, she- uh, Sheffield United still had a an outside chance of of um promotion. promotion and you know i i signed chris Lacetti on loan from um shepherd united and he'd been along with chris perry very very important in terms of our uh some of our more recent positive results in yeah. trying to you know trying to avoid <laughs> relegation and of course he couldn't play in that game so there was a lot of it, it was a there was a lot of added pressure going into that and really we were in a situation that we didn't feel that we uh, you know we shouldn't really have been there But it, too but good it w- to go down well, you're flirting with it no, no 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 it was more it was more we'd, we'd missed some opportunities to win games that really we should have done better in and um no I, I i i wouldn't say that it, you know if teams that go down go down because over the duration of the season simple as that you can't really you can't really argue too often about that you can't argue about luck uh over the course of the season necessarily it's it it it, it doesn't work like that but going into that last game yeah we are under a lot of pressure <laughs> i remember um we've been at the training ground and uh, <laughs> we've been at the tra- training ground and as a family we were, we got some of Nicky my wife's family down for to, to come to the game and where well, there's a lot of people come down to to go to the game and we we actually went to Limington for a walk in in the afternoon before the the day before the game and parked the car and <laughs> and I was walking through a car park some Southampton supporters were coming the other way and there was a we walked past the job center and (laughs) (laughs) i said well i might be needing that on monday if things don't go right tomorrow uh you know it was one of those bizarre situations that we were yeah i'm back in back in a management situation for the first time for a long time and lo and behold it's a it's a stay up on the final day of the season and and it was a it was a tough game because we went behind in that game as well and uh, but to win it 3-2 uh, was yeah it was it was very very emotional for everybody involved yeah. and uh, um, but again I, I didn't I didn't last long after that one either so
0: another final day of survival yeah. and, and, and again you moved on you, was, yeah, it, was that it always meant to be no, the case no, no. or were you no 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 that,
1: it was no it was bec- no I would have let me tell you what a fantastic football club. Uh, I absolutely loved it there. Um, when I when I went in there, um, Lee Hughes was the chief exec. Laurie Menemy, um was really an advisor to the to the board. Leon Crouch, who I still keep in contact with now, had 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 gone in there as as the chairman. Um, Mary Corbett was on the board. She was a ri- re- i mean there were people in there had been around the club for a long time, very, very supportive. It got a great feel to it, good facilities. I would have loved to have stayed there because it had got so many things that I w- was re- you know a lot of the staff at the stadium. It was just a great feel to it and then of course, there was a there was a board takeover there was a there was a shift in power there and Um, Yeah, so I became another casualty of war, so to speak. Um, It was uh, was circumstantial. I didn't really want to uh, apply for the job that I'd already got. Uh, I ended up being sacked when I was on holiday. Um, Yeah, and the kids came down, down to the pool and said, Dad, you've been sacked. Well, there we are. Such is life. It, it's uh, you know Rupert Lowe had been uh, finding a way back in there, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a not a very tasteful end to right. what had been a, a, an enjoyable experience in many ways. But it's football, and I think one thing that you have to be quite clear on if you decide to go into the management game. Is that that, it, and I say this to many people. It's not if you're going to get sacked. It's when. Yep. It's when you're going to leave. It's not if you're going to leave. And and there seldom it seldom happens where managers get a chance to build a dynasty over a period of time. Yep. You know, when you look at the in the top flight, there have been a couple. I mean, even even in the football league, Paul Tidsdale at. Uh, 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 at Exeter over a long, long period of time, Dario Grady at at, at, at at Crewe over a long period of time. Those things don't happen very often. Yeah. And I was talking about my days at Shrewsbury earlier, and and, and uh, you know in those days, or my time there, it was very much a case of there would be a manager, an assistant manager, and the manager would move on, the assistant to take over. And it happened you know, with with uh, Alan Durbin, uh, Richie Barker, then with Graham Turner, then with Chick Bates, and they'd all been assisting each other and taken over from each other. So, you know, the, the, sometimes there's a uh, there's an order and there's a way of doing things which is quite unusual, and it, do- it doesn't happen these days, for sure.
0: Uh, the quirk of leaving Southampton is that you then take over Leicester, yeah. the team relegated to League One because of your survival. Um,
1: not entirely true. No, not <laughs> not entirely true. They they were unable to win themselves, and Coventry got a ridiculous result away at I can't remember, but but it was, um, yeah, but. Lee Hughes uh, had left Southampton and gone to um, gone to uh, Leicester, and uh, yeah, I, I, it was a. I think that was a very big influence on me getting an interview to go there. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, yeah, I was able to to uh, get back into work relatively quickly. And, uh,
0: what sort of state was the club in? A big club relegated yeah. to League 1 we've seen it a few times but mm. I can imagine it, it as, a, as a situation for a club that size is fairly yeah. traumatic in that sense uh, and yet straight back up to the second tier so yeah how did you need to act quickly to turn things around after that relegation
1: well what I did do I had a very clear idea of who I, I uh, wanted with me so I'd worked with Steve Steve Walsh at Newcastle He uh, Sam Allardyce had taken him in um, Craig Shakespeare I'd worked with at West Brom I'd play with him at Sheffield Wednesday and I'd been speaking to them when I was at Southampton about you know the possibility of working together Steve had actually after he left, left Newcastle had actually been down to Southampton to give a presentation to the board which had gone down very very well so really it was just a case of um, transferring the plan that we possibly got for Southampton and moving it to Leicester Mm -hmm. and I got the go ahead to be able to do that Um, Paul Balsam who I met when I was at Southampton who was Still works at Southampton now, uh, at uh, Leicester now, and still at OHL. Works full time with the um, Swedish national side and works as a consultant with those clubs. Uh, again, came to to Leicester. Um, so I got people around me who are new uh, with skill sets that I thought were important to us, and I also inherited some. Incredibly loyal and capable members of staff with strong opinions who stretch me. Um, so, although on the face of it, yeah, it wasn't a particularly positive situation to go into. Um, you know, we we had a very successful season, and and, and what got back what was up.
0: so good about that team? <laughs> in the end once you got going what were the sort of key strengths of of the squad of players that you had how did you
1: we got a good blend of uh, youth experience um we got a very yeah i mean it, it it was we got goals we got defenders who were good at defending i mean i mean for us to to get promotion 96 points and use five goalkeepers i think we use in that year is pretty is pretty um unique i would think you know because when you want a a a, when you want a consistently settled side when you're changing your goalkeeper as often as we did we 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 did it pretty successfully but you know in that year we only we only lost four games Mm um we got yeah we got uh, a a front partnership uh, of Matty Fryatt and Steve Howard who got plenty of goals and we yeah we got plenty of goals within the side as well so it was a it was it, it we had a good team we had some good young players um and we had a extraordinary um blend Of very capable staff, but more as no, not more importantly, as importantly, we were a very we were as strong a group of people as the players were. So it was, it it was yeah, uh, uh, my most enjoyable season as a manager, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. The next season, you. Got pretty close to the old double promotion, Yeah, yeah, um, did, yeah. losing o- o- on penalties to Cardiff. Yeah. Uh, and that summer, you actually moved to Hull, um, away from Leicester, just for a short period. Um, mm. Then, a season with Hull after they had just been relegated yeah, from, the, yeah. from the Premier League. So, yeah. w- was it quite helpful to have had that that experience of, of taking over Leicester after a, a relegation? I mean, Hull any similarities there with, with what they'd gone through? I uh, noticed it was a very well, swollen ha- squad that, that you inherited. Um, yeah. And
1: we, we had a, we had a transfer embargo, um, to deal with. We had a lot of the, the, the difference there. Okay. The difference with taking over at Hull was, um, and contrary to what some people may tell you, I really enjoyed my time there as well. Um, Working with Adam Pearson, Adam was my introduction, I suppose, in many ways to working with what would be called a director of football in many guises. Adam was a good problem solver, uh, very supportive. Um, we had to be creative in terms of being able to get players in and out. We got some problem players to get out, for sure, in, in the sense that that... And it's not the players' fault that they're on such good contracts, but we had a large squad of players who had run their course at the club and needed. We we just needed to uh, make the squad more competitive in terms of numbers-wise. Um, also, clearly to cut the wage bill. Mm. Um, so it was, it was a different. Experience and a different uh, challenge for us as a management team to go in there and try and have a um, a positive effect, and and certainly it, it was it was tough. Mm. It was tough. We we had a very difficult start. Uh, no, we started okay. We start the season fine. And then we had a period where we we found it very, very difficult. Um, But then we went on a run of, I think we, we, I don't think it's been beaten either. We went on the the club's best run of away Mm. results. And I think we were only beaten and I was furious the last game of the season. We've beaten uh, away at Bristol uh, City 3-0. And we've been unbeaten uh, since winning away I think at Norwich uh, in maybe October. Mm um so we sort of we'd, we did as a as a management team we did a very good job of stabilizing a club which had got a number of problems which people outside of the club wouldn't necessarily recognize mm. uh, and uh, and so yeah it was uh, we we sort of clawed back a very difficult situation, and then the following year, I uh, got the opportunity to go back to the, to to Leicester.
0: Yeah, and, and what sort of shape was Leicester in <laughs> upon your return? It was only yeah, it was yeah, only yeah. a year, but a new new ownership. Um, Vishai, of course, the the King Power ownership. Spoken to Chris Powell previously, mm. um, and he painted a picture of uh, a set of owners who wanted to improve the club yeah. with, with 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 patience and with with planning
1: I think what you have to first recognize when you when you want to talk about Leicester City and uh, the the strategy of the ownership and that would be it would be very easy for Kuvisha to have bought a uh, a premier league side if he wanted to you know clearly the the the, the financial uh, strength of king power was their ability could have been very easily to to go in and and buy a club which had got already um a status which would allow them to you could argue get quicker results but what they decided to do was to invest in a club which had got the scope to develop and to achieve success over a period of time where actually the success if if it was achieved would have meaning and would have um a great deal more satisfaction for them on a on a personal level just for, just for for, for them, so you know we can't underplay that as a as a set of circumstances, I don't think anyway. Um, and yeah, they were you asked me what was the state of the club when I went back in. Um, the playing squad was, in my opinion, too big, too uh, there was I inherited some really good players. I inherited some players that I didn't fancy. Uh, and didn't really suit the identity that we wanted to have. Um, And I can very honestly admit admit to you at times, it nearly broke me and it nearly broke the staff that we had a squad of players which we had not got a clue what we were going to get out of them every time we took the field. So you pick what you think is your best side and you win and then you pick the same side next week and they just don't turn up and that's the type of squad that we had where there was a level of inconsistency not just in performance but in terms of behaviors and so for me that had to be changed and that was when i say that nearly broke me and other staff it tested my resolve my uh, my spirit Mm. in many ways because you know I've said to you earlier that I like to invest a lot of emotional commitment into a job and to get to feel that you get the same sort of commitment back you, you it's about values, and it's about it's about human qualities that really do count. And uh, yeah, I I felt changed by certain members of that squad too often, and so clearly we had to change it.
0: Well, there was uh, a hell of a, a revamp. Um, Mares and Vardy, Knockart as well. Who's someone who who we covered in his final season in the championship with Brighton when he was just almost untouchable, I'm interested just to talk a bit about um, recruitment processes really Mm. and how you were able to build that sort of squad, there's a lot of different, the different managers we've spoken to have worked under different recruitment systems, Um, but for example a signing like Mahrez uh, Mm. from Le Havre in in Ligue 2, Um, Nockart as well from Gangon, yeah. Um, how 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 was that coming about? How how was the club working to bring these players in and, and build that squad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I do the, the, see the, these sorts of stories grow arms and legs at times, and and because of the sort of success um, that we had as a club in terms of um, signing players, it, uh, I think it, it, there there is a danger of of it losing the focus of what it was about I mean look with how we always worked and I'd like to be very clear on my input in this I uh, and and that is I want as little input as possible until it gets to making the decision and and so in the early days with Steve when we were a smaller operation and there was less investment in in uh in the recruitment you know it it's very much about um trusted people seeing players uh, you know what we what we always did and you got to remember the, re- the the recruitment aspect of the clubs that I've worked at along with the staff that I've worked at have have developed in time it's you don't go in there it be the finished article it is it starts as something. And with a bit of success, you evolve, and 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 that's exactly what happened. And so, you know, the players that people want to talk about in the Vardis, in the Maris, and 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 arts and people like that, are success stories of the time. But there have been lots before, and 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 there have been and there have been some players who have not worked out, and but ultimately our philosophy was always about trying to minimize the risk um, and getting a database on players and knowing that we can't compete with the big boys in many ways so we need to be ahead of the game and so Steve Walsh did a very good job in setting up a network and a, a group of people who were very, very good at, at, at identifying potential targets for us. And sometimes they paid off and sometimes they didn't. And, and, but what we always tried to do is minimalise the risk and make sure that by the, time, by the time that Steve had filtered targets before they came to me, it became, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who, I don't want to be going out trawling going to see millions of games to look at player I have trust in the people that we have around the team who will know what we're looking for know what our team has know what we haven't got and know what we need to get and then their job is to is to identify the players and then when it gets to a point where I have to come into the equation and say can i can i um persuade the board or recommend to the board that this is what we would like to do you know and it i don't want to make it sound any more complicated or i don't want to make it sound i don't want to trivialize anything that happened all i'm saying is we were we always worked in a way which was efficient as a group of staff and our recommendations would be based on what we thought was the best thing for the football club.
0: Uh, in in your period with Leicester in the Championship, of course the promotion to the, to the Premier League, smashing the the club record points total that you had set, yep. winning League One, um, but also a moment that is a polar opposite to Jimmy Glass, which is Troy Deeney's goal in that playoff uh, game against against Watford. Entirely. It, it, it seems unusual to have had a career like yours, which has two of the most famous moments in football league history and to have been on either either end of the spectrum. There must be many people who have worked as much as you who haven't experienced either of those things.
1: Yeah, and I suppose I, I've never really thought of it like that, I suppose, but now you'll probably haunt me with the, <laughs> reminding me of stuff like that i try to when I try and explain what a football a career in football looks like to people who who have a picture that everything's exciting um the analogy well, what I'd say is that that you remember the highs and you'd like to you'd like to enjoy them more but they're fleeting because the highs come and if you're in the management game you're looking for the next progression and how to not become complacent the lows can haunt you and stay with you a long time because they might have an element of regret and might have um, some negative feelings which stay with you and then of course there's the majority of the time which is like most people's jobs will be that grey area of dealing with the day-to-day stuff which Is what most people's jobs are about, Mm. and uh, you know, football. I don't think is any different, and so because I think like that, I like to think. I this is not necessarily accurate, of course, but you know how do you get over things like that how do you get over the so the the jimmy glass thing happened and people were talking about it 20 years later and i'm sort of can't remember all the things that happened on the day why because it's now part of my history i was a part of the day but not a big part of the day and it happened and you move on you do other things uh the watford hat occurrence was gut-wrenching But it happened, and what's the best thing to do? Well, what we did do, and that was have a meeting and say, right, by the time we all come back in, let's make sure any any disappointment that we've got is now put to bed, and we need to make sure that we're ready for for the next step. So it's about trying to deal with disappointment and not getting too, and not getting too overly confident or patting yourself on the back too much when you have good times and I think that mentality as well stood us in really good stead during times where you know um, you're under pressure to get results and it's about trying to keep an even balance of emotional state during good bad and indifferent times so that people are able to perform and deliver simple as that yeah
0: and the, the season where you won the title, 102 points, Yeah, you touched on, on maybe an inconsistency in the side when you first took over in, in the second time that you took over Leicester. Um, that was not that, that was solved by that stage. Is that the key, do you think, to the, to the success?
1: Yeah, but that's down to recruitment. That's down to building a side that's got an identity, um, having shared beliefs and goals, all those things and yeah and recruiting players who fit what we need and uh, you know I I was asked a question not long back by a Leicester fan about about yeah how, how good how good the second spell is and I said yeah but it wasn't all like that though was it you're remembering just the good times and so it never it never looks exactly how people remember it
0: Well, this is not a podcast that is particularly interested in the Premier League. Uh, Your time managing Leicester in the top tier has been very well covered. Um, Your next job after leaving Leicester was uh, with Derby in the Championship and you managed Derby for just uh, nine league games. How do you reflect now uh, on your time there, Um, that that chapter of your career? Yeah,
1: a really difficult personal experience in the sense that Uh, And again, I'm not going to go into details in terms of what happened or how things were reported, but one of the things that I'm still furious about now is how things were reported and the stories that were generated as to possibly what happened, which was absolute nonsense. Um, And I think really that's all I will say on that aspect of it. What I will say about answering the question about reflecting on the job, um, a really good football club, a big football club, incredibly well supported. Um, I'd hoped it was going to be a job which would give me an opportunity to achieve success. But look it di- it just didn't work out um there were a number of things uh, a number of circumstances that with hindsight yeah it it, it was probably a, a a not a good decision from both myself or from the football club um and i think you know i talked to earlier about reflection and and you do reflect on things while you're in it but of course when you when you come out of a situation it gives you a more gives you a more uh more opportunity to to reflect in a better way what i would say is though uh, it it really did um damage my enthusiasm i seriously considered Stopping managing after that job Just because of Again I'll refer back to What I've already talked about is um, Making an emotional uh, commitment And connection with a football club And I I, I felt that Some things that had happened there um, Really did clash too heavily With what I believe in In terms of just Basic moral values, mm.
0: and of course, uh, we've got the the period at Leuven in between Derby and and where we are now. Mm. We spoke about that um, at the top of the podcast. Um, so, just the the final question, and it's the obvious one, really, um, based on on ev- everything we've spoken about and mm. all your experiences as player and as manager. Um, what what are you hoping for over the next few months in in the short term? Is there an appetite to to find a club to manage in England abroad how specific are you are you with your objectives from here
1: That I want to enjoy working is that sounds very woolly and a bit loose but um, I yeah I want to enjoy working with the people that I work with and have a challenge which um, gives me presents an opportunity for me to be at my best and it's really quite simple in those terms what that actually means in reality is quite complex but if you're asking me what do i what do I hope for I hope for a challenge which I genuinely excites me that that really stretches me and puts me into a position where um I'm having to work hard to achieve what I'm looking for because that is when I'm at my best. And I think if you spoke to people who work with me, I think they'd say that, yeah, I, I think they concur with that, that, mm. that, uh, um, I'm not always straightforward to work with, but, but, uh, I'm very supportive of the people that I work with and, I like people to enjoy working. Wow. Players, staff alike. It, it's you know we we have to work in the football industry, and I, I, I'm not always at ease with how how people in the industry are sort of portrayed and and what the industry might look like from the outside looking in. We're just ordinary people, really, you know, who who have similar needs, and that is—it's great to do a job that you enjoy doing, yeah. eh? And and not everybody is afforded that opportunity, so it, I think it's pretty normal to hope to have a job that you enjoy doing, and and if it's not quite the way you want it to be, is to fight really hard to get it into a position where it is enjoyable. Mm.
0: It's been fascinating to to hear about your life in football, your thoughts on the game and really looking forward to to seeing what that is, the the next step. Uh, And thank you so much for joining me.
1: My pleasure.